Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to now. I will down to Anfield and we'll see them all. What you doing down here, you shawny man? We bring you Monday's Second Captain's Football Podcast the day after Manchester United sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's manager. This may well be the biggest story of the season so far, which can mean only one thing. <laughs> Ken Early is on holidays. I'm serious. Bro. This is unfair. Come on. This is, you know, I, I think Ken himself uh, rages against this particular uh, cliche that every that basically every time a massive football story happens, he happens to be on holiday. He does, it's yeah. not strictly true, right? The last time, this is, this was put to him by World Service members in the past, and he responded rather sniffly, <laughs> well, other than Christmas, I haven't taken time off since October. Why does everyone apparently believe I am always on holidays? <laughs> well, no, Ken, he's not always on holidays. It just happens to be on holidays. When he's on holidays, yes. Yeah. Gigantic I mean, partly it's because we, we kind of stoke it up, Murph. I mean, that's, mm. we're not blameless here. But it's also because he's been away for... O'Neill and Keane being appointed Republic of Ireland managers mm-hmm. Declan Rice declaring for England <laughs> Man City getting banned from the Champions League Solskjaer being removed from the wheel at Man United it is a not insubstantial body of evidence piling up at this case so. it's, you know <laughs> like you kind of need to remind yourself that the stories of this magnitude don't actually happen every week you know it's, it's you know it's, it, we're not being unfair on Ken here it's just very unlucky circumstances that's all that's what we're dealing with here we drive on, stepping in to fill the Ken-shaped hole will be Jonathan Wilson and Mark Critchley, who covers United for the Independent. And yourself, of course, Murph. Being, Ken being away means you've got to dredge yourself out of an emotional hole after playing and being defeated in <laughs> a championship final yesterday. So I commend you for this. Have, has the, um, have your own endeavours shielded you from much of the pain that you would otherwise be suffering as a Manchester United supporter today? Mm. The most famous yeah, club I mean, in the I, world. You know, I, was, I, was, I was quite selfish about my pain, my pain yesterday, I have to say. Ali Gunnar Solskjaer's pain did not come into the, come into the no. equation at around half 12 or 1 o'clock to, uh, yesterday when I, when I heard the news. <clears throat> I rang my dad to give him the, give him the lowdown on uh, our uh, county final defeat. And he politely listened to me for a couple of minutes. He was like, did you hear Solskjaer's gone? I was like, well, no, I didn't, Dad. I didn't, Dad. I was, I was otherwise engaged. But, uh, so, you know, I, I did have an inkling after what happened on Saturday, to be fair. the Yeah, unbelievable. I was doing it, Murph. I had the, I had the privilege of presenting Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's last game as manager. Mind you, it wouldn't have been his last game if Kenny Cunningham had his way. Kenny <laughs> was just sticking to the idea that, well, as he put me on the spot, he said, well, who's going to manage him then? Who are they going to put in there? 
and I obviously that's not an that's always the hardest one to answer when anyone's talking about yeah. how a manager should go and I said I don't know Alex Ferguson couldn't do a worse job between now and the end of the season than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to do I mean obviously I was 75% joking <laughs> but by the end of the show Kenny Cunningham said actually I think Owen had it right earlier they should put Alex Ferguson <laughs> deadly serious to the end of the season Kevin Kenny. Doyle was yeah Kevin Doyle was much more along the lines of um, listen that, that like put him out of his misery and that's what it feels like I think yeah. today and you know like uh, you can this idea that you have to have uh, you know like a ready made replacement I mean like I don't actually think that's how anything works you know if someone is just incapable of doing the job then you have to, you you go out and find someone you know it's it's not like that uh, you know I mean the, obviously they they they've met a complete you know balls of this and it was obvious that they had from the moment that Liverpool beat them five nil and they still five nil at home and they mm. didn't they, they decided not to uh, pull the plug at that stage I mean it was like what are they waiting for at that stage like how you know, how could it possibly get any worse than losing five nil and then two like seven nil on aggregate to your two uh, most hated rivals. Well, four-one against Watford is up there. <laughs> it's well, possibly even worse. It like it's as bad, but it, like yeah. there's nothing worse than losing five 0 at home to Liverpool. Like there's literally like you can't do any worse than that. Uh, and the idea that you hang around and wait for something a little more embarrassing to happen, or you know, like it's just like the lack of steel with anyone involved in that club at the moment is just so it's so bizarre. You know, like the the idea that you just couldn't make a decision. Given all of the evidence that they had, we're man fucking uh, up to and including that five 0 defeat, and still they left him there, uh, blew the the chance to get Antonio Conte. But like, I, but for all that, it's if the guy is incapable of doing the job, then you, you find someone that is capable of doing the job. And I don't think you can be like, okay, well, unless there is someone out there right now that we need to swoop and get. I'll get back to tell you, but we have to leave him in the job. I mean, that's not how it works, you know. Like, if he's not doing the job, you find someone to do the job, and. You make a decision then, but just the like the lack of willingness to make a decision, make an actual uh, act decisively in the club for the last like like probably year and a half. I mean, the, Thomas Tuchel should be the man out manager, and should, and he should have been put in there twelve months ago. But sure, listen, say la vie. Well, it's also what have they actually been doing? They, okay, it's finally gone now, but they the writing's been on the wall for ages, and yet the best they can come up with is Michael Carrick as an interim manager He's until the they then appoint in another interim manager. manager until the end of the season who doesn't seem to be in place either. It's all a little bit of a mess ah. there. The statement was a lot warmer than the one that greeted Jose Mourinho's departure. Back then it was, the club would like to thank Jose for his work during his time at Manchester United and wish him well in the future. A new caretaker manager will be appointed. That was about it. Yeah. In this case, it was all, Ole will always be a legend at Man United. It is with regret we have reached this difficult decision. His place in the club's history will always be secure, not just for his story as a player but as a great man and a manager you gave us many great moments he will forever be welcomed back at Old Trafford as part of the Manchester United family Uh, they also gave him the platform to do a farewell interview almost 12 minutes during which he thanked the fans talked about the absolute ball he had managing the club before getting a little emotional near the end you're going to be watching clearly Ollie. so what would you say to the players ahead of you know another big game which is just a couple of days away in uh, Villarreal it's as I've 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 said to them uh this morning as well, you know, trust yourself. You know we're, we're better than this. We, we, we've not been able to show it. But go out, chest out, enjoy being a Man United player. Champions League, the biggest stage. If and when you win the game, you're through to the next round. Michael's going to be in charge. Michael's, I've got the utmost respect. He's, I, I love Michael to bits. Becoming emotional now because he's top. And, uh, nah, that's... Uh, 
they'll be they'll be fine. I'll I'll watch them and support them. I feel for I have to say I uh, there was a bit of blowback to the interview. It's like, what the hell is this? More more Manchester United social media content. But I I kind of liked it, and he decided he wanted to do it. Mm. And well, it's also been said. Really, would any other top manager feel the need to do something like that? Maybe this is further proof that he wasn't cut out for the job. Could all be true, but also he is now finished. Well, I mean, uh, we've closed the so, book on whether he's up to the job or not. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'll like g- at I'll this give stage, him twelve minutes there. <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't mind that at all. He did make a bit of a faux pas at one point though when he was trying to praise himself for leaving strong foundations. Don't want to preempt anything, but uh, the two times I've left Mulder. They won the league the year after. So all the best whoever takes over. That's the the expectations. Mm, I'm, not, I'm not sure the manager is coming after you winning the league mm. is a great sign. And certainly that second time at Mulder, he hadn't won the league in, in that spell. <laughs> and the first time he had won it a couple of times, in fairness, but not the season before, not in his final season in charge. So I don't know if that one yeah. quite worked out as planned uh, when it came out oh, of Oddie's mouth. But there it is. We know he, look, no more homespun analogies like this one anyway. You don't just take the roof off when you're going to rebuild uh, or knock your house. You need to knock a house down and put the foundation in. You, you just don't start with a roof. And for us, we've we've had a couple of rainy days, and we wish that roof was uh, on. But uh, we, you can't hide. Yes, the roof has closed on Ole's <laughs> tenure. It's all a far cry from the heady days of March 2019. Man United might not thank me, but get the contract out, put it on the table, <laughs> yeah. let him sign it, let him write whatever numbers he wants to put on there, given what he's done now since he's come in, and let him sign the contract and go. Ole's let the will, man. He's doing it. He's doing his thing. Man United are back. But even Rio had run out of patience at the end. On your YouTube channel, your Vibe with Five channel, you said time for the baton to be handed over. Mm. How hard was it for you to effectively call for the changing of the Man United manager with you as a former United player? It wasn't, if I'm honest. <laughs> OK, in fairness, in fairness, he goes on to say that it's his job to analyse the game and give us his honest opinion and so on. But you get the point yeah. when Rio is saying it wasn't hard to call out Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You know, the, the Solskjaer. That is exactly the point, actually, when Rio said it, is the point that the hierarchy should have said, OK, we mm. have all the excuse we need now yeah, yeah. to pull the trigger. Let's do this. Our it's new sporting only... director is, has come out and said, <laughs> we must sack this man. <laughs> yeah. Rio's not the only United legend to have his say. Guys, we have a problem. The best way to solve the problem, Murph, the players should drink their way out of it, mm. according to one former captain. Daily Telegraph, exclusive Brian Robson interview. What United need is a boozy bonding session. It's the best thing in the world for you because it's full of protein. Oh, well, you've obviously just had one of those, so you can probably attest <laughs> to the power of this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, uh, like, there's a lot to be said for it all. I have to say, you know, if you want to just, like, stand around and have lads moaning at each other and talking <laughs> bullshit for six hours, I, I really feel that's that's absolutely the way forward now. Great for the non-drinkers as well in the Manchester United yeah, team. Exactly, I'm sure yeah. they'd really enjoy just sitting yeah, yeah. there in um, some, you know... Drink it, Paddy drink Brown's it. Pub or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk more with Mark Ritchie and Jonathan Wilson. First of all, I'd like to welcome John Delaney here today. Trying to be critical as well being possible. Building a house, you build the foundations for us, the chimneys at top, the chimney for us. It's international football. As well, to, to, to John Delaney, you know, um... uh, The pleasure, the entertainment, the organisation, the skills that you take to everybody is fantastic. But you don't have a chimney unless you've got a very strong foundation. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is gone, bringing an end to what Mark Critchley in the, in the Independent describes as the most improbable, the most intoxicating, but mainly the most bewildering episode of United's post-Sir Alex Ferguson era. Mark, thanks for chatting today. 
Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's it's just fine. Yeah, be we're finally stuff. here. <laughs> we're finally <laughs> here. Jonathan, Jonathan, you finally have a new article to write. How are you? <laughs> it's just changing the tenses at the minute. Um, I'm, very, I'm very wealthy, but, but I, did, I, I mean, I don't like to say I told you so, but I did tell you so. I mean, admittedly, I got it. I got the time wrong by about two years, but I, I, when they when he got the job permanently, I did say it'll be done by Christmas. I just didn't say which mm. Christmas. True. True, yeah, we got there in the end. Um, so let's start at the end then, guys. What do we make of... Mark, what do you make of the handling of his departure, both by the club and Solskjaer himself? Um, well, I think that the way that it's been handled kind of um, reveals just how they weren't didn't even see this coming. I mean, we, we're joking about it there, that we're changing the tenses and articles and, you know, he would have been gone two Christmases ago. But this... This really, you only have to look at certain aspects like the fact that Mike Phelan signed a contract a month and a half ago and that Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick, all of them are still at the club obviously now, but that was the clearest, I think, public indication that even up until the October international break and before that Leicester game really, United were not considering uh, any, any kind of change of management and things have just kind of snowballed over the last month and a half. Um, it was only really after that Leicester game that Solskjaer himself started to feel that he might be in trouble. It was only really after the Liverpool game that the board started to believe that a decision may have to be made. And the results since then, I mean, you know, there's always been this kind of life support machine of, of Ronaldo, last minute winners in the Champions League or, you know, equalisers, whatever, that have managed to keep it going. But... I remember looking at this run that they were on just at the start of it and everybody was saying how crucial it was and you looked at that Watford game and you thought, you know, that's that's the one bit of respite that they could have in it. But because of the <laughs> results around it, it kind of became the most dangerous fixture of all because just the expectation, if you don't win that game and win it comfortably and, and, and show that there's at least a platform for improvement, then where do you go from there? And, um, you know, that was very much the case just after, I mean, after the final whistle, it was like less than an hour after the final whistle, they were having discussions about compensation. The writing was on the wall then. Um, he was saying goodbye to some of the staff who were there at, at Vicarage Road. He was intimating to the players that it was it was probably going to be his, his last game in charge. And, and it's kind of left United in a situation now where, as I say, you get these indications that they weren't really expecting this. They're now searching for a caretaker to the interim, to the eventual permanent successor. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, this is a club. This is a club that you know has sacked four managers in seven years now, but it's also sacked what five in thirty-five. So there's all there's a fundamental tension there that um, they almost never really. And Woodward, Arnold, and the Glazers—they're responsible for those four sackings now. They never really wanted to make another one. But um, and that's probably what got us into this situation where it just kept persisting and persisting. But like I say, we finally reached the point where we're here and and it's over. Jonathan, the statement obviously is very warm from Manchester United towards Solskjaer. He gets to put out his own interview on the, on the TV station, which was his idea by all accounts. And the the players get to line up on social media to thank him for everything he's done. It certainly feels very different from the Mourinho departure. Yeah, it does, and and I'm I'm glad about that because you know, he he is a club legend and and he should remain so. He just should never have been given given the job permanently. Even as a caretaker, you know, he did the job really well. Yeah, his 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 job was to sort of detoxify the situation after after Mourinho, 
and he he did that incredibly quickly. And we've seen other clubs have struggled with that process. But yeah, I I, I just, what I what I come back to over and over again is why did they why did they make that decision when they made it? If they'd waited till the end of the season and they'd had a full what five six months of evidence to base a decision on then okay fine that's a reasonable body you can make a decision on 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 whether he is going to be the man going forward but they they give him that job um in what there was, was it, so the much momentum though there was so yeah, much but, but what happened because i jonathan, what, jonathan i do remember i remember it myself I, I originally i thought why would you give you know okay he's had a couple of wins but the more wins he kept having the paris night so it was so you know Rio's but there was that momentum but and you're rio yeah. saying i'll oh, give him a job now and, and Gary know, saying, convinced. where are you going to put the statue what did they what did they what did they gain by doing it then what they could have said to everybody was look he's got the contract at the end of the season that's fine. Like he's not going anywhere. It's not like he's going to get poached by Everton or something. Yeah, he, he was going to sit there and wait till they decide whether he's going to be allowed to stay on. And yeah, they won two of the last twelve games that season. And so by the time you know he, he that that summer happens, he's already looking finished. And it's sort of dragged out because yeah, partly because it turned out he could organise a defence um, in in the context of sitting deep and hitting on the break against big teams. And your know, last season, those the six. Premier League games against Liverpool, Manchester City and Chelsea. They kept five clean sheets. And he deserves credit for that. But you saw again and again he couldn't organise a midfield uh, in a a creative sense. So when they came up against really stubborn, well-organised opposition, occasionally one of the good players would do something brilliant and they'd they'd win. But quite often they didn't. So the West Brom game, the Sheffield United game, the Villarreal game and the Europa League final probably most importantly. And that happened again and again and again and again. And then this season, Ronaldo's arrived and suddenly he can't organise that midfield defensively either because Ronaldo puts too much pressure on the other end of the pitch. And that's why it's all fallen apart. That's why the spiral has, has happened in the last yeah. seven games. What about that legacy, Mark? The whole idea of putting the smile back. He was, you know, if he had just been the caretaker and had finished at that point, my word, he would have been the greatest caretaker manager in English football history maybe. But um, the idea that he, he put the smile back on the face, he leaves the club in a much better state, I guess it's true, but only to an extent. I mean, that smile has been wiped off its face in recent times, and his last act is to apologize, abase himself in front of the away supporters with Bruno Fernandez standing beside beside him, saying, "No, no, blame us, blame us, don't blame him." Yeah, no, I, I agree with that entirely. There, I think, um, I think it, it was almost taken as kind of an article of faith, even when you were, you know, critiquing Solskjaer and and saying that this wasn't particularly going to go, he wasn't going to be able to take them to the next level last season or before that. It was always kind of, like I say, taken as an article of faith that he would leave them in a better place than, than in which he found them, um, which you could say says as much about the state that Mourinho left them in as much as it does what he's done. But I, 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 I did always believe that, um, and I, but I think it would have been argue, easier to argue that if they perhaps take a braver decision and call it quits at the end of last season after the Europa League final with a year left on his contract and say, thanks, but you know, it's time, it's time to go for something else rather than giving him a new three year deal and, uh, and, and carrying on to the season. It's not, I'm not saying that was the obvious choice at the time and that, and, and, but that would have felt like a bit of a braver decision and, and you would have to just say he stabilized the club and he's been, you know, despite his fault, a, a, a good manager and probably the best of, um, or, or certainly leaving the club in a better place than the three predecessors after Ferguson. 
now I think that's a much harder argument to make. If I'm totally honest, I think that um, things have particularly soured over the last month, the last month and a half, when he kind of had the stay of execution, but also just became a dead man walking, really. You've, you've seen the many complaints about players being unhappy with his kind of loyalty shown to certain players that has maybe tipped over into a kind of unhealthy favouritism. Um, when you have Old Trafford singing Donny van der Beek's name, I think that is, as you had against in the derby, I think that is the clearest sign of kind of um, just the, the crowd, ever, the, the most they were ever going to turn against him vocally. Um, it probably didn't help that Van der Beek came on the second half and was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> well, he scored, really that he scored good, the yeah. final goal of the of the Social Reign as well. Yeah, I mean, really caps yeah. it off, doesn't it? Um, what, what about uh, yeah. just just on your met? We've mentioned Ferguson a couple of times. I mean, it's recent. What what happened there? Because as recently as after the Liverpool game, there was all the story that uh, that Alex Ferguson was still backing Solskjaer, and that that was a huge part of what was going on behind the scenes. Do we know? Did he he must have lost the Ferguson back? They, they wouldn't. The club wouldn't have gone against Sir Alex Ferguson's wishes here, surely, Mark? I don't. But I think the Ferguson element gets overplayed a bit. Like he he would definitely he had he had his backing after the Liverpool game. I'm I'm sure that. I, I think he would have ultimately like they all they all wanted to see Ollie succeed, but you look at that result the other day and and the the way it's kind of shook the dressing room and 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 like I said you know that was that was the platform that was the the game in which to try and show something and, and that there could be an improvement and it's just got to a point where there's just no way out and like I said I think I think the Ferguson element gets overplayed a bit. Um, that decision will have been made by, well, with Woodward and Arnold, and ultimately Joe Glazer. And um, I think it ultimately was the only decision that they could make because it got to that point where, even even if you've got you know the hand of Alex Ferguson on your shoulder, I, I don't think that it could really last much longer than it did. Jonathan, do you think Solskjaer might be actually quite relieved at this stage? I mean, his, his body language after the match the other day just. Was, uh... He's doing his interview and he's sort of scrunched up looking and just just weight of the world on his shoulders. Is there an element that he's been put out of his misery here? Uh, I mean, certainly that's how it looks to me outside, yeah. Um, I mean, even even the interview he did uh, on MUCV uh, yesterday, he was coloured back in his cheeks. He suddenly looked a bit more <laughs> a bit more human. I'm at, you know, the, the um, I was thinking about this. So I, I was at the Leicester game and I think Mark's right to identify that as a moment when it really... Yeah, it, it, the the decline became uh, terminal when when it became apparent it wasn't going to get turned around and that there wasn't going to be another little uptick. But I do wonder if there's something about the King Power and this the way it's set up that it leaves managers looking very isolated because Mourinho's last game in charge of Chelsea was at the King Power. Frank Lampard's last game in charge of Chelsea, or last league game, was was at the King Power. I, I wonder if there's something about those dugouts to just make beleaguered managers look particularly beleaguered because <laughs> um, I remember sitting in the press box uh, during the second half as, as uh, yeah, United were I mean yeah they got back into that did they get back into that 2-2 or did they get back get it back to 3-2 uh, they, got back to, they got back to 2-2 and there was a goal almost immediately wasn't there yes that's it I, I'm straight, straight from the but it was, a, it was a slightly strange dynamic in that that equaliser came from nowhere and Leicester had been playing them off the park for sort of 10-15 minutes before that and then, yeah, there was a long ball to Rashford, wasn't it? And I remember sort of looking down at him, standing seemingly alone, even though, you know, there's 40,000 people around him, uh, you're staring out sort of, you know, like some, some sort of Viking elder standing on the clifftops wondering if the fleet's ever going to return. Mm-hmm. 
and, and sort of you know completely unable to 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 arrest you know what was going wrong on the pitch. And so, so I wonder if there's something just about that stadium that makes you really realise how how isolated failing managers are. Um, sorry, what was the question? I, I sort of I, I drifted no, off there. No, no, I'll, I'll go with that as an answer, Jonathan. That's uh, I can't even remember the question myself, so I'm happy enough with that. I do want to talk about what, who's who's actually in charge of this now. I mean, who 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 takes control of this process, Mark? As you said, to I mean, they've got their interim before the interim who's going to be before the permanent manager. It all sounds extremely convoluted and it feels like there's got to be somebody extremely uh, on the ball in charge of this. So who is it a one-person operation? Uh, well, I mean, it's headed. It's going to be headed up by Mike Carrick, as everyone knows, I think. Um, and then Phelan and, and McKenna. Uh, but, 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 but I mean, even even behind the scenes, you know, like who's... The, oh, behind the scenes, Yeah, right. John Murta is the football director. Nobody knows much about him. He, he, he popped up a, a few weeks ago, you know, he pops up now and again, but nobody knows too much about him. You mentioned, obviously, the people in charge of the club, not much fo- football ex- expertise there. You don't think Alex Ferguson necessarily has quite as much power as I'm making out. So who's going to sort through this mess of a process? I think that the, the decisions over, like the interim and the eventual successor are going to be taken by the same people who who ultimately decided that Ollie was going to go. So you, you're looking at Woodward, although, you, you know, he is <laughs> he's supposed to be leaving his position at some point, although we're still not quite sure when. Uh, Arnold and, and Joe Glazer um, and Avram Glazer, they'll be the ones that take the decision on that front. Um, the decision that they have to make at the minute is... It's a, it's a very, as you say, a convoluted situation. I mean, Carrick will be heading up the team with Phelan and McKenna. These are the coaches that you've heard over the last few weeks. A, a, a proportion of the, a significant proportion of the playing squad aren't totally enamoured with. They aren't, mm. don't feel that the training methods are completely up to scratch. And yet they're the only ones that are in position to be able to take the team forward at this short notice because... Like I say, as we said at the top of the of the uh, program, um, that Phelan and these coaches were being given new contracts a month and a half ago. So you're right. I mean, who exactly takes control of this situation now, both on the training ground and in the boardroom? I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I think in terms of interims, the names that you're hearing, Laurent Blanc, it's another former player. He's got a relationship with Ferguson. He's got a relationship with people at the club. So that might stand in his, you know, that might help him out if, if, if he's interested in it. Um, there'll, be, there'll be talks over him and other candidates this week. I imagine Ralph Rangnick's somebody that's been mentioned a lot. He only joined Locomotive Moscow in the summer. And I think Miguel's been reporting that he'd be interested in a role behind the club, uh, you know, in the structure of the club afterwards. Now they've only just restructured the club with Myrtle and Fletcher and people like that, and <laughs> and Darren Fletcher, I'd like mentioning him. He's the technical director. Well, he's been out in the dugout and taking the pre-match warm-up the last few weeks as well. So quite what his role is isn't totally clear. It's it's been this case for a long time where you're never totally sure who's making the decision at United. But I think ultimately, like I say, it'll come down to the same people that got that ultimately dispensed with Ollie and made the call, and that'll be on. Ed Woodward and Arnold and the Glazers. Jonathan, I'm going to throw some names at you for permanent managers. Zidane, Pochettino, Ten Hag, Luis Enrique, Brendan Rodgers. Those are the names that the, the Guardian are reporting this morning as potential candidates. Which one of those do you think is most likely to be the next permanent Man United manager, if any of them? 
Okay, hang on. So which is most likely to, to, to get the job? Um, well, I can see that Ronaldo, who clearly has some power, would like Zidane. I can't really understand why Zidane would want the job. Um, Ten Hag, I think, would be a very good appointment, but it would obviously require massive restructuring. There's no, there's no point getting Ten Hag in to do an Ajax job unless you turn the club into a you know a sort of an Ajax style. Which is why I think Rangnick's a really interesting um, proposition. I I, I think you know, when he was at Schalke he, he, as head coach, he found it very difficult to deal with the pressure there. So I, I can't see him wanting to do the job of of manager. Um, full time, but at uh, Leipzig, I think he did the job for a season, keeping it warm for somebody. And he stepped into the background, and I think he, you know, he much prefers that running things behind the scenes. But again, it is a massive restructuring. Uh, Rogers, uh, I don't know if a Liverpool thing would be problematic, but he obviously is a very good coach, and he knows the Premier League. Um, Pochettino, I. I I've, for me, would be the, the the best option, assuming he becomes available at the end of the season. But again, I think there'd need to be restructuring because I, I think he was burned at Tottenham uh, and is in the process of being burned at PSG. I think he'd want a, a structure in which he had a lot of say. Um, so I, I almost think the coaches, and I, I, I guess we've been saying this for sort of three, well, since Ferguson left, that the, the coaches is a part of the issue, but there are much bigger issues in the background. Uh, having said that, and I guess this goes back to what we were saying about uh, does Solskjaer leave a club in a better position to, to that in which he found it? Uh, I was reading back through an old interview I did with Louis van Gaal. And van Gaal made the point that when he was at United, he had seven players aged 33 or over. And the promising young kids he'd been promised were Tyler Blackett and Cameron Borthwick-Jackson. Now, if, if, if either of you know where either of those <laughs> is, is playing now, well, well you're, you're a better man than me. Um and yeah, you know, he was saying they wouldn't they wouldn't spend money for him, but they then spent it for Mourinho, and so he, he was making a big thing. Of, I think he'd finished fifth, and Mourinho in his last season, Mourinho finished sixth in his first season, and he was saying, "Well, Mourinho had all this money spent, so yeah, actually, I did a better job." And yeah, yeah I'm broadly, you know, I, I'm broadly pro Van Hal, but I accept that the football towards the end of that season it got pretty miserable. But I think he was playing with a much weaker hand than the new manager who comes in will have. With the obvious caveat that the new manager will have to deal with Ronaldo. Yeah, well, I mean, that is the big issue, Jonathan, really, isn't it? For whoever comes in. You said that Ronaldo, and I've read this reported that United are in for Zidane in part to appease Cristiano Ronaldo, who had success under him. But, I mean, might Ronaldo's presence there (laughs) not be quite so... uh, Maybe Zidane, that might be part of the problem if Zidane is weighing up whether or not to go and take this job. Yeah, it might be. I mean, I'm not sure how close their relationship was at the end at Real Madrid. I mean, they both left the club at the same time. Um, So, I mean, Ronaldo's seen off five managers in three and a half years now. If you you count Zidane as part of that, then Allegri, Sarri, Pirlo and and Solskjaer. So, and it's a problem. He's such a big entity that wherever he is, even a club as big as Juventus or Manchester United becomes FC Ronaldo and everything revolves around him. And you know we we saw at Juventus that their total domination of the league was eroded by that, and they got worse in the Champions League. You know, they go out in the quarter final in the last sixteen to Ajax and Porto. So it's not even that they've been drawn against. I mean, okay, that Ajax side was a really really good side, but it's not they're being drawn against Manchester City's or Chelsea's or or Bayern Munich's. Um, so I, I think he has become problematic for the elite of the elite. The Rogers one is interesting, Mark. I, you know, I, I don't know what you feel. I would have thought 
United fans might be able to swallow the ex-Liverpool thing if Rodgers was flying it again this season and had them in a Champions League race. But we've already been talking about managers looking beleaguered at Leicester, at the King Power Stadium. The less current Leicester managers looking a bit beleaguered there now. I mean, they can't go for the manager of the 12th place team in the Premier League, surely. Um, I think he's, I, I think he's appreciated and and admired, but I'd agree. I don't think that his stock is particularly high at the minute, and it's it's been kind of going a little bit under the radar. But even when the the noises around him were a little bit louder over the last few weeks, it didn't really feel like you know you could really sell that, um, particularly because of the Liverpool angle. Um, which I, I don't I don't know maybe some some sports will be able to come around to I think there's maybe enough distance there but um and united the last few years this this whole cultural reset it has had quite a, a british focus if you like uh, and that may play a part in the decision but I don't particularly see it I still think that if everything was equal and then they'd be they'd be quite happy and quite interested in going back to Pochettino if if they were able to do that. I think that's still an open question. Um, signed a new contract to, to PSG until the end of next season, I believe. So whether he'd be able to extricate him from there, I don't know. But I think that would maybe be their preference is the sense that I get at the minute. Um, Ten Hag is another really interesting one. Um, but again, is somebody who would only really be able to you only be able to get out at the end of the season and that was really the telling thing about the um the statement yesterday you know this this weird situation they've got them in the, the interim to the caretaker to the permanent success or whatever that that speaks to them only really being able to get a preferred and desired candidate in the summer so you know <laughs> rogers may be available sooner than that who knows <laughs> if, if things keep going the way they are so i i feel like you know, while he while he is admired, and like I say, that that British element has been part of the thinking over the last few years. That I, I think there's others that are, are more preferential to to the people currently making the decisions. Well, and fair. So, who who do you think who do you think they'd be going for? I, I think it's Pochettino. I think Pochettino would be the third one, and then and then maybe Ten Hag. But like uh, the thing, the odd thing about the situation is that we're so far out, aren't we? If 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 the if the if the, if the plan is to go at the end of the season. Plenty can change between now and then, and succession planning for managers now um, is an incredibly difficult thing for top clubs to do. You know, it, we're going to see in a couple of years that Liverpool and probably City have to do that as well, and they're extremely well-run clubs. But we're going to see how well-run they are when they run into needing to find a top or an up-and-coming manager who's available and they can get because very few managers, very few managers switch top clubs. Uh, it just really doesn't happen anymore. Um, which was the whole thing with Conte the other week. So, you know, this this kind of fudge that they've got at the minute might actually allow them to reassess it at the end of the season and, and get their most desired and preferred candidate in. And while it does look like a mess and we're, we're taking the piss out of it a little bit, you know, I, I, I do think that it's probably the wisest thing to do just to wait until then and, and try and see the rest of the season out. Because Solskjaer was never going to win. He wasn't going to win the Premier League title, so that had gone. Um you know, you've always got a chance in the Champions League because it's a cup, cup competition or whatever. But if you get a, a solid interim in the meantime, they've got just as much a chance of that. So I don't particularly see it as writing the season off. Some people have criticised them for that. I don't particularly see it as that. I see it as maybe just getting through the season and getting the best out of the season possible, as good as you were going to get anyway by by sticking with Solskjaer. 
and then really optimising and taking forward for, for the seasons, uh, future seasons, by getting the preferred candidate in the summer. Well, in fairness, if, if Michael Carrick gets a few wins early on, Jonathan, without wanting to re- repeat the mistakes of the recent <laughs> past, he could at least have the job till the end of the season. Like, I, don't, I don't see this obsession with having to get an interim manager if you've got these coaches in place. But, uh, you know, just that the uh, as has been outlined by Mark there, if the players already have their doubts about the, the coaches who are now effectively their managers, it's not an ideal situation, really. No, it's not. I mean, just on this, uh, on how hard it is to get get the right manager. Uh, two two quiz questions for you. So, first of all, how many managers have won the league with Manchester United? And secondly, how many managers have won the league with more than one club? Well, three three, man- three managers. United, yeah. yeah, three. Yeah, there'd be uh, there'd be Busby Ferguson and Ernest Magnell, um, Jonathan, nineteen yeah. seven oh eight and nineteen ten eleven. I did look this up before, <laughs> just in case it came up. I was I was quite struck by that. Three managers. What was the second question? Because I won't know the answer to this. I didn't look it up. Uh, how many managers have won the league with more than one club? Ah, the, the go on, Mark. Uh, uh, well, the, the league championship slash Premier League. League championship. Yeah. Okay. Um, three. Well, it's not bad. It's four. It's four. Four. Okay. Uh, so um, let me make sure I've got them right. Um, Dalgleish, Clough, Chapman, and Tom Watson, who was the first to do it with Thunder and Liverpool, of course. The only man to do it twice with uh, with different clubs. But anyway, so my point Watson. is, it's it's very difficult to to get the right manager. You know, even in the modern age, where realistically only three or four teams can win the league. And it seems that sort of top managers are on this sort of carousel. They're not really. It's still really hard to to go and win the league with uh, with another side. That you know, different circumstances, different players, different slightly different point in your career. So it is hugely difficult. But to, but to go back to your question, yeah, if, if if these players don't have no faith in these coaches, and they're not experienced coaches, none of them. I mean, I, I know Phelan had his time at Hull. Um, but getting sacked by Hull, I don't think it's going to impress Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and and the others are you know are, are very recently in the job, so I understand why why they may not actually be at the high level. That's not to say they won't ever be at a high level. I understand why players may be skeptical about them. Um, and and so yeah, then you have this problem, and this this is one of the issues of succession planning. What what if what if you do bring in an interim and he turns out to be brilliant and wins the yeah, does it to Matteo and wins the Champions League? Do you then feel compelled to give him a job and then sack him next October? Mm. Mark, just to finish up on Solskjaer, uh, the most intoxicating, the most bewildering episode, as you said, of this era, of this post-Ferguson era. When did it move from being intoxicating to bewildering for the supporters, do you think? When did they begin to... Because there was, you know, for a while, everybody else was seeing the writing on the wall and United fans were still defending Solskjaer, but that, seemed, that support seemed to ebb away in recent times. When did he lose the... The fans, you reckon? Um, well, you're always you're always fighting for the middle ground, aren't you? I think with these things, and I think like whereas there was always Ollie out or whatever trending, that you never felt like it was a, a serious bone of contention for the fans until really, I'd say the start of the season. But again, around the same time as the Leicester game that we're identifying, I think. It, it really has that was that was kind of not fatal because it didn't finish him. But once you have that and once you have the results tumbling over each other, like the Liverpool game and the City game, you know, even match-going fans, I, I have mates who go away with United to European aways, they, they've been messaging me for weeks, like, tell me he's gone. <laughs> I mean, it's, that, it's, it's, it's been, and you just wouldn't have that before. Um, 
you know, they would there would be that kind of flip of um, yeah, there's a bad result and people feel a bit down about the team, but they they get another one and they're singing his name again. And I I think in a similar in a similar uh, vein as the board and and a lot of the decision makers at Old Trafford, everybody wanted him to do well um, and wanted him to do well more so than any manager since Ferguson, probably before that as well. Um, just because of what he means and what he identifies, how how he identifies with the club, but you you saw that really turn sour. Just, I mean, that, that I will I'll always remember that shot of it, like after after Pogba got sent off in the Liverpool game. I was obviously at the game, so I didn't see it on telling myself, but just of Old Trafford from an aerial view and and people just emptying out. I mean, you wouldn't get that. You didn't have that during the worst times under Van Gaal and Mourinho when there was a lot more kind of uh, opposition towards the manager. And at that point, you just felt like, well, if he's lost some of the match-going supporters here, then there really is no way back for him. And, and that's how it turned out. Yeah. When Kenny Dalglish is sitting in the stands at Old Trafford, laughing his head off, you know, the writing <laughs> is probably on the wall for the Manchester United manager. <laughs> OK, great stuff, Mark. Jonathan, brilliant. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers thank you. We don't have too long to wait to see how the Michael Carrick era is going to look. Manchester United are away to Villarreal in the Champions League tomorrow night. You're going to have to be a World Service member to follow our coverage of that. It's also Chelsea-Juve tomorrow evening. Then Liverpool-Porto and Man City-PSG on Wednesday. (sighs) This is a pretty good week of Champions League. Also, maybe a win for Pochettino there against City. Mightn't do any harm if he actually wants to manage Manchester United. Mm. rather than Or a loss against City. I mean, I I don't know how this plays out, to be honest, John. Uh, if yeah. he loses, then he, maybe he loses his job and then gets ah. another job. I, I mean, listen. Yeah, that's a good point. <sighs> We're playing checkers. He's playing chess. On. I'm sure whatever happens from here on in, the United fans will keep their heads anyway. They're always a level-headed bunch. What type of midfielder is real? He's not box-to-box. Yeah. He's not defensive. Well he can't do a fucking killer pass. Why is he on the fucking pitch for? For what? Is he part of a lot of deadwood that we need to get rid of? Yeah. But of course he fucking is. There's a lot of fucking dead I'm getting fucking gone. See him come here and fucking boss us at Old Trafford. This is Man United talking. See him come here and fucking boss us. We're not fucking Stoke. We're man fucking United here. We should be battling fucking them. That was diabolical out there. Ah, yes, an oldie there. <laughs> but a goodie, nevertheless. The in, the, in the stands there at Old Trafford. Thanks, Murph. Well done on, on getting through this in your post-championship final. Thanks, all. I, I appreciate that. Really good job. And thank you for listening. Most importantly, Ole Gunnar thanks for the memories. Thank you very much. See you soon. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. 
it's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 